You know, even if you're committed to your marriage, you can still make it a miserable experience. Today, we look at three traps we can fall into and how to get out of them. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey everybody, this is episode number 18 and we are going to be talking about three types of negativity that ruin marriage. Do they like ruin it? They just make it miserable. I think they can make it miserable. You know, if you if you get into that negativity thing and it spirals, you could certainly find yourself circling the drain. That's true. Yep. So the first one I thought we should talk about for Linda was rumination. And what is that? That's what cows do in the field. <laughs> <laughs> no, the rumination I'm thinking of is just going over and over and over the same old, bad, negative things again. So to, to put a okay. little bit more of a technical definition around that, it's usually focused on the past or the present, mm-hmm. whereas worry is almost always just focused on the future. So that's what separates rumination from worry. It's more past or present. And it's usually around like our self-worth, a, a meaning that we're trying to make out of something or some sense of loss. And there's really a desire to understand. That's why we're ruminating. We're kind of going over this because we really want to understand But there's an unconscious motive to avoid that type of situation that is aversive in the future. And really, there's also the thought or the the motive often to avoid the responsibility to take action about what's gone wrong. So I can ruminate about something. And as long as I still have to keep figuring that out, I don't actually have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. That would just be emotionally draining. Yeah. Just going through all that. Well, I mean, that's not talking the theoretical like this. It is emotionally draining. It is. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Yeah. So I did find some uh, research about that, surprisingly. And uh, there's three names. And I really can't pronounce them very well. But there's a study from 2008. And they just noted that rumination, that it consistently predicts the onset of depression. It doesn't mean if you ruminate, you're going to immediately get depressed. But where there's a pattern of rumination, the message is you're very much putting yourself at risk for depression. Oh, wow. Yeah, as well as anxiety comes in there, binge eating, binge drinking, even self-harm. And what happens with this rumination is it really stops us from being good at problem solving and taking care of ourselves and establishing and building quality relationships with others. So you can see how if we get ourselves kind of into this spin cycle on this negativity, you know, that could really have a serious impact. Yeah. You just begin to like internalize. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I think it's obvious enough, but when you focus on the positive, that results in happiness. Right. And and positive way of seeing the world around you and so on. So, you know, we do need to take those times, I think, to ponder our failures in marriage or in, you know, as a couple. Absolutely. For sure. Like if something's gone wrong, well, what went wrong? Where did it start? Why did it go wrong? What can we do to avoid this? Yeah. And that's, I think, that's the thing there, Verlinda, is that you have to develop something constructive out of that thinking. Yeah. So if it's just going to spin on it and never come to a conclusion, you know, there needs to be some learning, there needs to be some growth, and then move on. Like, we're not going to stay there forever. Right. Yeah. So this can be about something that's happened in our relationship, or this is something that I can just very much do about and inside myself related to, I don't know, my childhood or my work or or why my last career failed. And, And it may have nothing to do with you as my wife, but it can very much drain the energy of out of our relationship because I'm lost in that and I'm not present right. with you. Yeah. So it can be a real barrier to intimacy. Absolutely. So how do we, how do we overcome this? We talked a little bit about 
breaking out of that already. Focus on the positive. Yep. You know, and even just making a practice of having like short periods of positive distractions, play some happy music loud, go jump on the trampoline, like whatever kind of cranks your tractor, those short positive distractions, that's a good short-term strategy to break you out of it. And then plan a problem-solving session when you actually have to deal with this thing and sit down and think about it. So we're not saying you got to ignore what goes wrong in life, but we're saying we're going to contain the time we spend thinking about it. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing we can do, Verlinda, is to, to, uh, you know, just be aware of them without Mm -hmm. judging them Mm -hmm. and to show ourselves compassion. You're smiling. Well, this is just so you. Well, well, that's okay. You know, it's okay to go on. I don't, I don't even remember how you say it, but you know, it's okay to feel that way. Maybe you need to give yourself permission to feel that, to feel that. Yeah. It just sounds so touchy feely, but it's true. It's true. It is. And another thing that's interesting here too, Verlinda, is you can, is working on close relationships. So actually, what do you mean? Actually focusing on like positively developing your marriage and getting your eyes off yourself and onto someone else. Right. And developing yes. it. And that's a positive thing. And that's, there's meaning there and influence. And that doesn't, that kind of takes you out of wallowing in your own stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully those ideas help that. Let's talk about bitterness. That's a good one, hey? That is. And that's easy to get there. Easy to get there from? From, you know, if something's been done to you. Mm-hmm. Rather than forgive and move on, yep. you just keep churning it over in your head. I guess that's rumination too, yeah. and become bitter about it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you sit with that unforgiveness, you know, that registers in your body as stress. So there's yeah. there's no actual research that says unforgiveness, you know, equals medical health problems. But there is a ton of research that says stress equals medical health problems. And there's also research that says unforgiveness equals stress. Right. Yeah, And so, you know, unforgiveness is not just a matter of some thing in my mind where I'm kind of maintaining a position on something. It's it's actually very serious business that can affect our physical health, mental mm-hmm. well-being as well. Yeah. Yeah. And something we've always talked about kind of related to that is the only thing we can control mm-hmm. is our response to, to, to whatever's coming at us. Yeah. It might hurt. Yeah. And so you we have- You not be able to control what's coming at you. Exactly. Yeah. But I can control my response. So am yeah. I going to become bitter- yeah. And negative, yeah. Or are we going to forgive and move on? Yeah. And you know what? Another thing that I found, Verlin, I can find myself doing there is is taking on the identity of the wounded person, like victimize yourself. Yeah. So that becomes who I am. You know, I'm the person that was offended by so and so, or oh. you know, I'm the I'm the wounded husband, and you're the overbearing, whatever, nagging, you know, crazy wife. Mm-hmm. And so you form a kind of identity, thing and you, f- you find yourself wanting to. No, I haven't actually been there. Yeah, I was going to say, what are you saying? <laughs> For very long. <laughs> but that what that does is it puts you in a victim state and it really punishes yourself more than anybody else because you're kind of sitting in there and you're thinking like, this has got to be, you know, now we're getting even, but it's not working. Like the only right. person you're hurting is yourself. Yeah. Really. And your marriage, but yeah, more yourself. I, yeah. No, indirectly, but you're the primary uh, recipient of that punishment. Yeah. Which is... So that's not working. How do we overcome that? Well, one thing I thought if we could share is that that little maxim that we often repeat that hurt people hurt people. Right. People who have been hurt are more likely to hurt other people if they haven't dealt with that. So just having some empathy for them. Yeah. And that's a hard place to get to. But for the person that's offended me, you know, the question is, why do they, why did they do that? Well, they've, they've had something go on in their life that put them in a place where that seemed like the next best thing to do at the moment. Yeah. And And you really helped me understand empathy in that 
it's understanding that if I had walked in their shoes to that moment, to that moment, what's to think I would have done anything differently. Right. And I think we often kind of sit ourselves in a position of pride right there, which is sin Mm -hmm. to say, you know, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I would never do a thing like that. Well, are you that certain? Like, can you really be sure? Yeah. Okay. So I just want to encourage our listeners not to burn up or throw multiple years or months of relationship in a marriage because of a screw up. You know, if I've done something to offend you for Linda Mm -hmm. and I have in our past, you know what I mean? But it's don't Don't throw months of your marriage. Yeah. Deal with it. Talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to our next one. Ingratitude. You know, I think I'm going to talk out of my own experience here. Like I, I would like to hope that I wasn't an ungrateful person when I got married, but I know that I wasn't very good at expressing gratitude. Yeah, you're really good at it now. Thanks. And do you know what I think? You notice that gratitude right there? I said thank that you. That was really good. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if part of it was having kids. How's that? You know, and you realize like if the kid leaves the table without thanking me for supper, you notice that. Yeah. And you've been very conscious. And maybe that's not the whole reason. Well, I mean, you're very I grateful as well, but it's yeah. also teaching and being an example. There is that. I think part of it was being a kid and realizing you're not one anymore. Like when we grew up as kids, you know, there's all sorts of stuff goes on that. You just take for granted. You take it for granted. And maybe yeah. my mom and dad, they taught me to say thanks for supper and thanks to people when they had you over and that kind of thing. But, yeah. you know, the laundry was always in, you know, the underwear was always in the drawer when I got home and I had no idea you know, how it went from the bin back into there. Right. And so learning to just notice the acts of your spouse and to acknowledge them with gratitude, I think is a is a great way to just be throwing little positive tidbits in all the time. Right. And once again, focusing on the positive. Yeah. Because we can really take our spouse for granted, right? Yeah. So just taking your spouse for granted then is a negativity trap because yeah. you're not, it's negative in that you're not infusing positive. You're missing an opportunity. So, but I thought of another thing for Linda when we were talking about this, and that is not only the gratitude for the little acts that you do or the big ones, Mm -hmm. but also to express gratitude for who you are as a person. And I think you're probably better at doing this for me than I am for you. But I think that that's a, that's a powerful thing is to be able to notice the qualities of character and say, I really appreciate that about you. You want to like, how did Mm -hmm. you, how did you learn how to do that? I didn't even know I did it. Oh, hmm. I was hoping you'd say something profound. <laughs> no, I thought you were way better at it than I was. No, I don't think I'm a very good complimenter. Okay. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. We're not here to puff you up. So. Me? Yeah. We'll just move on rather than me tell you what a good complimenter you oh, are. Oh yeah. Don't go there. That that would be awkward. But I, you know, there is this other part to consider of not only our behaviors toward each other and to show gratitude for that and the little acts of kindness, but also to express appreciation or character-based responses. And I think that that, mm-hmm. that becomes a powerful and a wonderful way of affirming what you see in your spouse. And as Michael Hyatt talks about, he talks about affirming what you want to see more of. Right. Yeah. And you know, I know when you've done that for me, it, it's like, well, she noticed that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do more of that. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's not a manipulative thing, but it works. It's, you know, to instill that positivity and to encourage behaviors and actions and expressions of character that build a marriage. Yeah. All good. Yeah. Okay, hopefully that's some help. The three negativity traps, rumination, bitterness, ingratitude, and hopefully you've learned a little bit about how to get out of them. Let's head over to our question and answer segment now. 
And now for our Q&A section. Remember, if you'd like to ask us a question, you can email it to questions at onlyyouforever.com or please leave us a voicemail at onlyyouforever.com slash questions. Okay, so Verlinda, this is my question because I wanted to talk about this today because I know that for our younger married couples, this is a burning question. Are you ready for it? Okay. I'm a little scared. How do we decide when to have kids? That's a really good question. Thank you. So here's, you had a verse. I did have a verse. You grabbed the Bible. That was very spiritual. Yeah. It comes naturally to me. (laughs) Go on. Sorry. It's in John 1 and, and it's talking about how when they're born of God and then... Just read it. Yeah. And it says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man but of God. So that's talking about spiritual birth. How did you get that back to physical birth? Because it talks about if they're born of God, it's not because of the will of the flesh or not because of the will of man. So that just shows me that physical birth is because of the will of man and the will just meaning like a decision. Okay. So that just gave me the peace about that, that it was a choice. It was okay to have a choice. It was okay to use birth control. Right. Cause some of our, some of our listeners might be struggling with where, you know, and I think we did a little bit too at the yeah. start of our marriage. Is it okay to kind of play God? You felt like you were doing that a little bit about yeah. the timing of the baby and it, it just seemed kind of mechanical or, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So that just kind of gave, gave you me the freedom. Yeah. yeah. To to make the choice and feel like you could. Yeah. Fair enough. So what about, what about Verlinda, what about finance? Like, is it, maybe this is a guy thing, but you know, you got to be able to support the baby. Yeah. I'm not a huge supporter of that argument. I will be honest. Like you don't need the $300 stroller for your baby. Right. You know, you don't need to dress them all in name brand clothing. Right. So yeah, expenses are going to go up. You know, if both of you are working and one of you has to stay home now, that is something you need to consider, but maybe you need to consider your lifestyle choices. So you got you got to be able to feed this baby, right? Yeah. But in our day and age, a lot of people are going to go from two income down to one. Yeah. And depending where they live in the world, they're going to have different amounts of uh, you know marital leave or parental leave. Yeah. When the baby's had. Yeah. But just like for example about the stroller thing. Yeah. We started out with the big expensive stroller on the first kid. It was a shower gift. Yeah. And um, I went down. We I don't know if you even noticed this, but I bought an an umbrella stroller, just a ten dollar thing from Walmart. Walmart. That. I needed for a trip because I didn't want to take this big thing. And I went down to that and that stroller went to Japan. It went to Zambia. It went to Ireland. Like right. that stroller went everywhere right. and it was $10 and it did all three of our kids. And it right. was so much easier. Like I look right. at people trying to fold up these things and whatever. Anyways, that's a total side note. Well, there is that thing about but, you know having all the baby furniture and all the baby accessories and all the baby toys and all the videos they need to watch to yeah. shape their brains and all that yeah. jazz. And, and you know, have your kid and love them. Exactly. Make sure you can provide the basic necessities of life, though. I think that's fair. Yep. Right? Yeah. Like if you're still living with yeah. your parents or in-laws or something because you can't afford anything. That... Well, what if you're in school and you can still afford it and you're your parent, parents to save money? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Well, maybe. I mean, you've got to kind of judge that, right? But yeah. you got to be able to provide the basics. So let's yep. leave the finance part there. Now, what about, what about, I think you need to evaluate the quality of your marriage. Maybe that's a little too... The stability yeah. of your marriage. Yeah. Like I so. had somebody tell me that they were just a baby to rescue the marriage. Ouch. They're 
the marriage was on the rocks. And so the, the mom got pregnant. Was. The marriage, yeah, the parents was. Yeah. And so, you know, mom. And that was got actually pregnant. her identity. Like and she, yeah, that's, she told me that. Wow. And it didn't work. Wow. And the marriage split up. But wow. now she's carried this for 30 whatever years. I'm the rescue that didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, so we want to we want to encourage our listeners not to try the baby rescue. You know, it'll it'll draw us together because we're having a hard time. It won't work. Yeah, you need to be supporting each other and and having each other's back. You know what I mean? Like when you do that whole baby thing, you go through some hard nights where it's like, you know, there's a lot of missed sleep in there and and things can be pretty raw. And you got to be in this together. Yeah. And uh, make sure you're on the same page. Yep. Yeah. What, what do you mean by page? Well, just. In agreement with, you know, like if one parent says, oh, we're going to be super strict, we're going to spank, we're going to whatever. And the other parent's like, oh, no, 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 we would never do that. Well, that's going to come to a head when this child is born. So try and have that sorted out, I think is a good thing. But what else? What about for Linda too? Not just sort of the values and principles, but also the uh, the roles and responsibilities too. Like we didn't have that discussion. I think we should have because I I didn't do very good here is to have that discussion about who's doing what and how we're going to divide that up with the child. Yeah. You know, or, yeah. But I didn't think it was an issue to be quite honest. Like in my mind, if you were going out to work to support us and having to get up every morning and I could sleep in, then I would get up in the night. Okay. You know, I never had those expectations. Some people, you know, especially if both are working, yeah. then yeah, they need to take turns or But that can become whatever. a source of stress though if you're not yeah. prepared for that. So having that, what about getting all your sort of adventure and your travel and all that young married couple stuff out of the way? I think, you know, I think it's good for a couple to establish themselves as a couple before they establish themselves as parents, if possible. Life doesn't always give you that. Yeah. You know, contraception fails and right things happen, right? Yeah. So part of you has to adjust, but... You know what? Take your kids with you. Like, don't think that life has to stop because you had kids. Yeah. Like, it's not like, okay, we're going to have all this fun and then we're going to have kids. Right. Like, no, we, life can continue. A, what was it, a couple of years, year and a half? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but... um, I can't even remember. That's okay. Anyways, I don't think life has to stop. Like, if we traveled to... Where do we travel with babies? Japan, Zambia. Ireland, Zambia. You know, our kids have been all over as babies. Yeah. And it's just take it as it goes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we could go down a whole pathway there, but... Yeah. So, yeah, don't think that you have to have your life and then you have your children, you're... Think about life and going through transitions and different phases of life, but still always living. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at onlyyouforever.com slash 18. And remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So send us your marriage questions in to questions at onlyyouforever.com. Thank you for listening to the onlyyouforever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at onlyyouforever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hey, I'm going to record it again. As soon as you're done humming. I'm done. Okay. Not that I don't enjoy your humming.